you're listening to a sermon podcast from Lawson Heights Alliance Church. May God bless you as you listen. Well, there's an old story about a man who dreamed that an angel escorted him to church one day, one Sunday morning. And once he was there, he saw the worship team singing. All the musicians were playing with gusto, but the man heard no sound. Then the congregation was singing, and yet he could not hear anything. Their their songs were muted. When the minister rose to speak, to give the word of God, his lips moved, but there was no volume. In amazement, the man turned to the angel for an explanation, and the angel said, you know, this is the way it sounds to us in heaven. You hear nothing in this place because there is nothing to hear. These people are engaged in the form of worship, but their thoughts are on other things, and their hearts are far away from God. One thing I hope that we can be clear about as we are in this series on worship is that worship is not about a particular time or place or posture. It's not about us showing up. It's all about an encounter with the living God. It's more than just Sunday mornings. It's more than just singing songs. It's more than just praying and raising hands. It is knowing our place in relation to the King and His kingdom and His dominion. And that is what is reflected then in our worship, because worship is a verb, as we've learned. It's active. At least it's meant to be. Here is my definition of worship that I've been giving you each Sunday. Worship is the activity, whether instinctively or willfully, of one's heart, soul, mind, and strength, and body, in response to being moved by the worth of God. See, worship, the worship of God, is an engagement of persons. And hopefully, as we've been singing this morning, you've been, you've been understanding that and getting that. You're, it's about you encountering the living triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, that being so, when you encounter another person, either for the first time or someone you have built a relationship with, how do you interact with that person? Does it not depend on what each person brings into the relationship? What does God bring to your relationship? Have you thought about that lately? What does God bring to your relationship? What does the Father bring? What does the Son bring? What does the Holy Spirit bring to your relationship with Him? What do you bring to your relationship with God? Have you thought about that recently? You see, God is a trinity of persons, and we need to treat God as God is as well. We need to be mindful of our place in the cosmos and before God, and our worship should reflect that with expressions and with interaction of our whole selves to the living God. This morning, we're going to be examining this thought, and we're going to be looking at a few scriptures that will help us learn why it is imperative that we learn to express ourselves to God in worship and how we are to do it. Some of these expressions go way back to when God's people first learned to worship Him as a people. So I'd like for you to turn. Our first scripture I want us to study this morning is found in Exodus 33, and we're going to read verses 1 to 3. 
So Bezel, Oleb, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord had commanded. Then Moses summoned Bezael and Oholib, and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and to do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. Exodus 36 takes us back to a time when it was just after the very first official place of the sanctuary was, was ordained to be constructed, a place called the tabernacle. Exodus 36 tells us that expressive worship is imperative because, number one, you were created to be creative in your expression of worship. As you're writing out in your sermon notes, this is the first point. You were created to be creative in your expression of worship. Look at verse 1. So Bezalel and Oholib and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord had commanded. Notice that God is the one who has given skills and abilities to his people. And many creative abilities are needed to be able to help God's people bring their worship to him. Who likes, for instance, to write poetry or to write songs? Anybody? Show of hands, a few of you. I never asked if you're good at it. I just said, do you enjoy doing it? Who likes to build things with their hands? Show of hands. Whether it's carpentry or crafts or sewing, drawing or desktop publishing, architecture or drafting, painting, sculpting, photography, welding, you name it. Do you like to work with your hands? Who likes to cook? I know some of you do. I've been to your homes and I've tasted some of your delectable things. Some people maybe not so much. But the truth is, is that God created you with creativity. And then he uses that creativity to bring glory to himself. What a fantastic design. The truth is, God created you with creativity, and you are to bring that creativity glory to your maker. Take, for instance, Johann Sebastian Bach. And you go, wow, whoever that is, I'm sure I can't compete with him. But he was one of the most profound musical scholars of his time. Bach was a musician who indeed embodied a Christian who lived with his Bible, as one, sc one scholar put it. Besides being a Baroque uh, era, era composer, one of its greatest pianists, organists, composers, and one of the most profound geniuses in the history of Western music, Bach was also a theologian who just happened to work with a keyboard. His music was an extension of his soul, to God, his, a scholar said. And that's what happens when you focus your God-given creativity toward glorifying God. And whether you're a, a Bach-level artist or a kindergarten finger-painting genius who gets his paintings put up on mom's fridge, Scripture says all of us are created to express God's worth creatively. Revelation 4.11 the writer says, you are worthy, our Lord and God, 
to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they are created and have their being. Everything that God created, he created for his glory. Everything, including you. But sometimes we human creations, we forget that, we forget that and we refuse to return God, to God the gift that he has given us. Let's reaffirm that, what the 24 elders said there in Revelation 4. Say after me, I was created, I was created. to bring glory to you, O oh God. One more time. I was created to bring glory to you. Oh God. Doesn't that just even feel good to say that? Now according to Exodus 36, there is a necessary ingredient in all of this. The way we express worship to God must include something. Number two, worship expressions must include a willing heart. Worship expressions must include a willing heart. Verse 2, Then Moses summoned Bezael and Aholab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come to do the work. In Exodus 36, we see that Moses had received instructions from God about building this amazing space, sacred space, the tabernacle. To accomplish this, God wanted Moses to bring together all the people who had talents and abilities to be able to construct that place for his worship. And notice in verse 2 that that skill was not enough. Skill was not enough. There had to be a willingness of the heart included while bringing it. Have you ever asked your children to do something and they, they do it, but you know they've done it grudgingly? How does that feel? It's not much fun for them or for you. With that unwilling attitude that accompanies their obedience, you wonder if it was worth even asking. But they have to learn it, right? Well, God being your Father, your Heavenly Father, sometimes He has to deal with unwilling children Himself. Are you one of them? Or are you willing to use your creativity to express your worship to God and to help others worship Him too? Some of you play instruments and you sing very well. Why aren't you on a worship team? And have you thought about using your your creativity in worship privately? Whether it's playing an instrument or writing or using crafts. Create Cards that express worship to God and give them to people as words of encouragement. I bet when you first tried to encounter God, you you were probably told, because you were quite young, as we do with children, to bow your heads, close your eyes, fold your hands, right? And why that expression? Well, for sure, folding hands and closing eyes helps to keep little children from getting distracted. But you know what it also does? It also helps children be mindful of God's supremacy and their need for humility when approaching God. When you were little in Sunday school, you were given time to draw pictures and color pictures from a Bible story. And that was meant to allow you to use your creativity to express that, how much the Word of God impacted you. 
You didn't know that then. You just like drawing and coloring and, and doing something to make God proud. But we grow up, don't we? And those expressions seem to us a bit childish now. Some people learn to express themselves in different ways in worship. But there are some who still think that expressiveness in worship is still a little bit childish. Maybe even a little weird. And they're unwilling to give it. Here's how it should be. When you're filled with wonder and gratitude in your heart toward God, there automatically should come within you a willingness on your part to honor and glorify and please your maker. Should there not? And not care about what others around you think of your expression. And doing so takes your worship past the need to only use words, which so many of us are so partial of. So sit back one day, grab a pen, grab a, a notebook. I think everyone should journal their Christian experience. Just journal it. Every day, write something about how God has impressed you or how God, God has worked in your life. Sit down one day and, and just sort of take note of all the ways that God has, has brought something to your relationship. For instance, what has the Father brought to your relationship? Can you think of something? Just think right now. Psalm 82 says he defends the weak and he upholds the oppressed. What does the Son bring to your relationship? Hebrews 4 says that he is our high priest and he can sympathize with our weaknesses. What does the Spirit bring? John 4 says that he is our guide and he teaches us to follow Jesus. Oh, there's so much more. Then consider what you bring to your relationship with God. You might say, oh, I'm just a wretch. I, I don't bring anything. No, you bring lots. You were created in the image of God and you were created to bring creativity and expression to God in worship. Maybe you're a thinker or a creative, or maybe you're empathetic, or a doer, or intuitive, or a motivator, or a helper. Write that down. And then offer all of that back to the Lord in worship. Thank you, Lord, for creating me as this person. Now let's look at another way of expressing ourselves to God. Exodus 36 also encourages us to give praise and worship to God this way. Number three, Worship expressions include body language. Worship expressions include body language. Verse 3, And the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. These are freewill offerings. Remember? They were willing offerings. All the people brought them in order to support the work of the Lord. And we see that the emphasis is on the willingness in bringing the gifts because it was free will, but there is also an emphasis, another emphasis there on continuing. Morning after morning, it says, they continued to bring their gifts of worship to God. They continued to offer the Lord themselves in worship. Day after day, they willingly and eagerly continued to line up and flood that altar with offerings. So much so, 
that we read in just a little bit that Moses had to tell them to stop giving. I don't think we've ever had that problem in a church anywhere. Verse 6 says, Then Moses gave the order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more. Because Notice that they were restrained. They wanted to give more. They were eager to give more. But they were restrained from giving more. Because they already had, what they had was enough to do the work. Notice that the gifts brought weren't just monetary. They were things the people created too. It says no man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. They made things like bolts of yarn and fabric that artisans could weave and sew into tapestries and sashes. They made charcoal that the priests could use at the altars. They made incense, too. They made leathers for scripts and upholstery in the holy place. They didn't have a Walmart to go to to buy housewares for the tent of meeting. They had to make it. And their eagerness to bring back to God something that would ascribe to Him how worthy He was to them, they did that willingly and continually, morning after morning. They were eager to serve the Lord and to worship Him. We see in Psalm 95 added forms of body language to express worship to God. Verse 1 to 6, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. There's coming. And extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the king above all gods. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God and we are his people, the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me, they tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are the people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways." Clearly, as you get to the end of the psalm, you see that this is a reflection back to the days of Israel's wilderness wanderings, back to Exodus 36 and beyond, with a warning. Today, if only you would hear his voice. It doesn't say you can't hear his voice. It doesn't say you won't hear his voice. It says, if only you would hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness. That's why many of the Psalms and 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 Exodus 36 call for expressive praise. Because as the Israelites learned by experience, when they failed to express their praise to God, they quickly resorted to complaining against Him. That was their sin back in the wilderness, if you recall. When we withhold our praise, and the psalmist specifically adds physical expressions to the call, we start to grumble against God and against his servants. Did you notice the body language in psalm that the psalmist calls for? They're singing for joy, shouting aloud, coming before him, exalting him with music and song. There's bowing down. 
and there's kneeling. And not all of those are reserved for sacred space like the tabernacle or later the temple. As we heard a few weeks ago, Jesus said true worshipers are not restricted to special buildings now or places. Psalm 81, 149, Psalm 150, and many more indicate that God's people should wave their hands and they should use tambourines in their worship outside the sanctuaries of God, especially during times of national festivals and holy days, everywhere in public. There's many, many more scriptures that show us how to express worship to God like this, physically. Other scriptures speak of lying prostrate before the Lord as an act of submission. Do you realize that Muslims do this five times a day? Religiously. Other scriptures tell us to stand silently before him in reverent meditation. Others encourage dancing. Some tell us to lift and wave and clap and open our hands before the Lord. From a study done by Dr. Albert Meraba at UCLA, he discovered that people listen and they evaluate your message, what you're saying, based on the following input. Through visual body language, 55%. Through vocal tone, tone, and inflection, 38%. Contents, words, only 7%. Fellow worshipers, there's an untold number of ways to express praise and worship to God through physical movement, through inflection of voice. Our bodies speak a great deal more than we realize. And is God not worth more than you're able to express with your mouth? Why should we, the people of God, give only 7% of ourselves in worship to God? By using only our voices and our words. I want you to try something for a moment. I want you to close your eyes. Come on, you're not too old to do this. Close your eyes. I want you to imagine it's nighttime. You're standing inside your house, quiet and safe. Now imagine that you're opening a window, and at that exact moment, there is a sudden explosion of thunder and a bright flash of lightning just outside your window. Unable to bear its sudden brightness, at once you impulsively close your eyes and you instinctively raise your hand in front of your face to shield your eyes from its brilliance. In awe, you draw a breath and you step back from the window in amazement and shock. And you probably even uncontrollably exclaimed something like, oh my God, because of the extreme impact of the moment. It rocked you. That was just lightning and thunder. Can you imagine what it would be like to be surprised by an encounter with the living God? I'm sure you would not restrict your worship to only words. You can open your eyes. Now, there's one other expression that you may only experience once in a while in your Christian life. 
And while all the other expressions of worship are you and me taking the initiative, this is an expression that God brings to you. Number four, worship expressions of soul and spirit. Worship expressions of soul and spirit. Now, it's not found in, in Exodus 36. It's, it's found rarely in the Scriptures, a few times in the Psalms, but there's one real clear instance of it in Romans 8, 26 to 28. If you go with me there. You've read this before. I'm sure you have, but listen to it. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Verse 26 says, But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The ESV translation says, with groans too deep for words. The New Living translation says, with groans that cannot be expressed in words only. I've experienced this only a few times in my entire Christian experience. In prayer and also in worship. Most times it happens when you reach the end of your rope. Are you familiar with that expression? When you're at the end of your rope. At a time when you've exhausted your strength and your wisdom and your resources, trying to meet a trouble that you're experiencing, trying to figure out what you're going to do next, trying to rationalize in your head and heart God's care for you when God seems to be nothing but silent. And it happens when you realize it that you have nothing else left Nothing left but God. And that terrifies you because at that point you got two options. You could continue to grumble and complain that God hasn't rescued you. That was Israel in the wilderness, remember. Or you become silent. and You stop striving and you give ownership of your burden to God and you trust His will Regardless of the outcome. Ooh, that's a moment. Some people try a combination of the two, but they will never find rest for their souls by doing so. This spirit-induced expression, this groan of His, happens in your soul and your spirit when you are fully resigned to God. And you may or may not be aware of it, I know when you're desperate for him, you want desperately to hear his groaning, his intercession. But the Spirit's expression is a wordless groaning in your soul and spirit, so you cannot understand it. His expression transcends words. His groans are unintelligible except for one person, the Father. Your heavenly Father hears him. And the only thing that you may be able to sense is that maybe at some point that proverbial light at the end of the tunnel. 
and the expression that will well up in your soul as a result of his groaning is hope. Hope and a beginning spark of joy again. Psalm 94, David had it. Lord, when my anxiety fills my mind, when my heart is in turmoil, quiet me and give me renewed hope and cheer. And it's that release, it's at that release that God is for you. And for that moment, that's exactly where you need to be. So can I encourage you, rest in it. It has got to be the most intimate encounter with God a person can have. You can't predict the moment or plan for it. But when it happens, it will happen because God knows you need it. You can't predict it. And it will wreck your soul for God. But your God is good at resurrections. Fellow saints, you were created to be creative in your expression of worship. Worship expressions must come from a willing heart. Worship expressions must include body language. Worship expressions of soul and spirit come when you need them most. Allow yourself to worship God expressively. Now let me encourage you with a specific expression for tomorrow morning when you wake up. Can I encourage you to wake up tomorrow morning, go to a private space. Maybe it's a space where you always have your devotional time. Maybe because the weather's going to be amazing this week, you could go out into your backyard. Maybe it's just in the living room or somewhere. But go to that space. Pick up Revelation 4, verse 11. And with one hand on the Word and one hand raised to the heavens, just read. You are worthy, my Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And then, I want to encourage you to lie prostrate on the floor with the Bible in front of you, and then begin reading the verses just before. Holy, holy, holy. Revelation 4, 8. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. It's a great way to allow your full self to express your worship to God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And just spend some time there, laying prostrate before the Lord, reading and rereading it until you've got it memorized, until you can say it backwards. Just own it. Now, you can think of this as kind of like, you know, me speaking to a room full of adults, asking you to bow your heads, to fold your hands and close your eyes. Or you can think of it in terms of a very biblical way to approach God in worship. And to try it. Be humble enough to try it. Sure, it may feel awkward at first, but once you're humble, all things go. Allow yourself the freedom and see what God does. Let's pray. 
holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Lord, we know that in all things you work for the good of those who love you, who have been called according to your purpose. That's what you bring to our relationship. Now let us bring something to our relationship. Let us bring our whole selves in worship to the Almighty, the Holy One of heaven and earth, the one who is worthy of all praise and honor and glory. Let us use our entire bodies, our voices, our, 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 our lips, our hands, our feet in expressions of worship to you. Let us bring them as a gift for you are worthy of them. If we have creative gifts that, that can be used in worship, Lord, let us bring them freely to bring honor and glory to you. May God be praised today. God's people said, 